You know what we're about to do? We're about to get real. We're about to have conversations that Christians have behind closed doors, the scary ones, the ones that make you feel uncomfortable. That's where we're going. Why? Because we're family. Ustedes son mi familia. So this is the Brian and Janelle podcast. She's Janelle. I'm Brian. And if you don't want to miss anything, just hit that subscribe button. This is the Brian and Janelle podcast. Fascinating story Ron found online. It's Mm -hmm. very true. It's not just a Facebook story someone made up that sounds nice. Um, But it's a real story about a world-famous musician who grabbed a $3.5 million violin and went in a subway station to see what would happen Mm -hmm. if he started playing. Mm -hmm. And now the the first obstacle for you might be a $3.5 million violin. That's a thing. That's what I was going to say. Wow. And it actually reminds me of a story (laughs) when I was a a little boy. I I haven't told this story before, I don't think. Ron can verify this. I only have like six stories, so this might be adding a seventh. (laughs) Okay. So... I'm I'm a little kid and I, I go to a I was going to a mega church growing up, and oh, okay. uh, my dad was on the worship team for like 20 years playing drums. Okay, and they, and they were they were paid musicians. I mean, it was a mega church, mm-hmm. and they were cutting edge in the 80s. I mean, they had some of the top Christian bands come through and do oh, concerts wow. at this church. Mm-hmm. So one Sunday there's a a violinist, and I'm I'm a kid. What do I know? Hey, dad, you know yeah, where's yeah. my where's my bike? <laughs> so my dad grabs me and he's like, "Come here, son." Okay. Him and a bunch of the guys on the worship team go to take a, they, they listen, there's like four services. They'd already heard the sermon. So they went and, and they, they were going to go in a back room and hang out. Yeah. He said, I want to show you something. And I went in and all the guys from the band were gathered around the grand piano in a back room. And there was a, a violin case open with a violin sitting in it. And I was like, what is this, Dad? Yeah, right. And he goes, no, Brian, that's a Stradivarius. Mm-hmm. What? I'm like, that? What? Brian, that's like a that's worth a couple million dollars right there. They're very rare. I can't even believe this violinist left it sitting here. He's in a church. I guess he was trusting Christians. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's seared in my mind because yeah. a bunch of grown men were drooling over a violin yeah. and none of them knew wow. how to play one. Yeah. But I was like, oh, that's a real thing. And it is a real thing because the the violinist in the subway station, his name was Joshua Bell. And he... Uh, had already garnered even like average seats for a concert just a few days before the experiment took place, uh, along with the Washington Post. He had played to a sold-out theater in Boston where the you know average seats were 100 bucks a pop. So he'd listen to a violinist, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he always performs with the same instrument. And he did so in, in the subway as well. It's called the Gibson X Huberman. It's been given a name. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> it was handcrafted in 1713 by Antonio Stradivari. So it's a Stradivarius. Yeah. During the Italian master's golden period toward the end of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had access to the finest spruce, maple, and willow, and these fancy techniques. Mm-hmm. And it is, uh, no one knows for certain, but he borrowed money. He traded in his old Stradivarius to get this one. And it's, the price tag is reported to be about $3.5 million for a violin. Hmm. Isn't that wild? Yeah, yeah. big time. And they're supposed to be the most beautiful things. I, I, I heard one, I guess, but I was too little to know. I was mm-hmm. still like, oh, Dad, I saw boiling. <laughs> so here's how the story goes in the Washington Post. 
He emerged from the metro at the Le Effant Plaza station and positioned himself against the wall beside a trash basket. By most measures, he was nondescript, a youngish white man in jeans, a long-sleeved T-shirt, and a Washington Nationals baseball cap. From a small case, he removed a violin. Placing the open case at his feet, he shrewdly threw a few dollars in pocket change as seed money, swiveling it to face pedestrian traffic, and began to play. Anybody who knows anything, if you're going to try to make money playing your, your instrument, you got to put cash in there first. Mm-hmm. Right. To give people the idea, this is why I'm here. It was 7.51 a.m. on Friday, January 12, 2007, the middle of morning rush hour. In the next 43 minutes, as the violinist performed six classical pieces, 1,097 people passed by. Almost all of them were on their way to work. Each passerby had a quick choice to make, one familiar to commuters in any, any urban area where the occasional street performer is part of the cityscape. Hmm. Do you stop and listen? Do you hurry past with a blend of guilt and irritation, aware of your cupidity, but annoyed by the unbidden demand on your time and your wallet? Do you throw in a buck just to be polite? Does your decision change if he's really bad? (laughs) What if he's really good? Do you have time for beauty? Shouldn't you? What's the moral mathematics of the moment? I mean, imagine if you were unwittingly a subject in the experiment. Yeah. And you walk by, and there, I mean, whether or not you're a musician, I hope you can tell the difference between a child playing a violin and a a maestro playing a violin. There's something about expertise in playing violin where you go, whoa. Yeah. What is that? Would you stop? Would you? I would probably be the mom that they mentioned there where the kid kind of stops and then you tug at the kid like, come on, y'all, we got to go. Let's go. (laughs) But it's because in a subway, you already obviously you're going places. I can get a little tunneled vision of like, I got to go, I got to go, that kind of thing. I can see me missing it. Now, violence. This is going to be messed up. Violin's a little different to like, let's say I saw Whitney Houston before she was Whitney. No, singing is a little different. Like, there's certain things that would probably catch me more. Have you seen street performers before? You grew up on the East Coast. (laughs) I have, yeah. Did did you ever stop? Mm. If you have to think that hard, the answer is no. I mean, it's not my, yeah, I don't know. Ron, did you ever stop? I think sometimes you want to, but the the setting isn't a. Comfortable, like if why you, are they always in places where people go in places, right. like instead of like a park where if <laughs> I you, don't know if that's what you yeah, mean. Yeah, if you if you stood there and watched him, <laughs> you would be right in the flow of traffic where yeah. people are bumping into you and you'd get run over. So a better place would be someplace quiet where nobody is that you'd have time to stop. <laughs> How are you going to make money doing that? Right, I know. Street yeah. street performers are thinking I need to find a concentration of people who yeah. might give me money by hearing me perform. You don't want to go to a quiet park where people are relaxing. I'm, well, yeah. I get I get what you're saying. Like yeah. it'd be better for us if they found a place where we had time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but yeah. I get why they do yeah. what they do. Mm-hmm. The experiment is kind of rigged against. Like if, if if you're saying what a shame that this mother wouldn't let her child stop and listen to the yeah. music. Yeah. Well, she feared for her child's life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe not yeah. directly, but you do. You know, you don't want to just stop in the middle of flowing traffic. Let's picture real life. Do you get penalties when your child in some uh, preschools or whatever, they get there late? Mm-hmm. Or what kind of story are you going to tell your boss? You walked in 20 minutes late. It was just, just this amazing violinist. You know, like we got stuff to do. I know what you're do. saying, but 
I also know that mm-hmm. the, the the caricature of you better be at work on time or else. Yeah. If you're a white collar worker, that's really not a thing. No, but if you're blue collar, it is it, a thing. Yeah, if you're not you early, you're in. late. So in DC, <laughs> it's mostly we we can can we assume it's mostly white collar at, at this particular subway station they chose. It is primarily government employees oh, yeah, well, and white collar jobs. Yeah. Oh. No one is sitting there at the door looking at their clock. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, you're you're two minutes late. Yeah. I heard a street performance. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? So, on that Friday in January, the Washington Post writes, "Those private questions about how would you react, essentially, would be answered in an unusually public way. No one knew it, but the fiddler standing against a bare wall outside the metro in an indoor indoor arcade." at the top of the escalators, was one of the finest classical musicians in the world, playing some of the most elegant music ever written on one of the most valuable violins ever made. His performance was arranged by the Washington Post as an experiment in context, perception, and priorities, Mm -hmm. as well as an unblinking assessment of public taste. In a setting like this, at an inconvenient time, would beauty transcend the moment? Hmm. And they set up a hidden camera so they could do a yeah. real experiment. What happened? We'll explain in just a minute. If you've been a faithful listener to this podcast, we're just super grateful for you. Can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us in our journey to follow Jesus a little more closely every day. But I got to remind you about something. We're listener supported. We're a ministry of Moody Radio in Cleveland, and it's donations from people who listen to us, just like you, that allow us to keep making episodes. So rather than tiptoe, because I'm not good at that, we need your financial support. Would you consider a donation to this ministry? A gift of any amount will make a huge difference. If you want to donate, we'd be so grateful. Just go to moodyradio.org slash Cleveland. Again, moodyradio.org slash Cleveland. Thanks. So Ron shared an, a, a story on Facebook with our team, and I read it. I was like, yeah, it's probably not true, but it's a real mm-hmm. sweet story. Boy, was I wrong. Real story. Back from 2007, Washington Post partnered with violinist, world-class violinist Joshua Bell, what the Washington Post wanted to figure out is if you go to a real busy subway station in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. and you drop one of the world's greatest violinists playing a $3.5 million violin, a Stradivarius, mm-hmm. playing some of the same music people were paying at least $100 a, a pop to see, what would happen? Yeah. yeah. Would beauty transcend the moment, essentially, and stop people in their tracks yeah. in America? So what happened? I mean, they asked a, uh, a, a famous musician or a famous director, mm-hmm. what do you think would happen? And, the, and when he found out it was Joshua Bell, he was like, no, really? Wow. <laughs> he thought a crowd, a, a small crowd would gather, a crowd mm-hmm. of sorts would gather yeah. around and he'd make mm-hmm. at least $100. Yeah. That was his prediction. So what happened? Three minutes went by before something happened at all. 63 people had already passed by when finally there was a breakthrough of sorts. A middle-aged man altered his gait for a split second, turning his head to notice that there seemed to be some guy playing music. (laughs) Yes, some guy's playing music, and the man kept walking. Wow. But it was something. Hmm. Half a minute later, Bell got his first donation. A woman threw a dollar and scooted off. Isn't that, I mean, because even when the prediction was $100, isn't even that kind of like bad? 
the one of the best musicians in the world. Like, if I found out, wow, I put a dollar in that. What? Are, that's crazy. Well, I mean, you're, you're probably thinking to yourself, you're like, oh, you know, this poor, this poor guy. Exactly. He's like mm-hmm. a, a college student with yeah, some talent. Exactly. I'll give him a dollar. Wow. Um, it was not until six minutes into the performance that someone actually stood against a wall and listened. Mm. Well, Th- there they had the wall, so they were out of the stream of humanity. Mm-hmm. And there obviously was a place to stop and look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a musician, and I grew up in a family of musicians. And so I can tell you, there's been a few occasions where I stop, not long, but I, I might have been that guy. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. Again, he leaned against the wall and listened for a little bit. That's the best you're going to get out of me. You're a musician. Is it fair to say, for those who missed it, part of it is that when you really don't understand music, you can't just, like, if you're on the go to, for it to stop you, don't you have to kind of be know about music a no. little bit? No? Okay. I don't I don't think so. Now, it's, I am a musician, so I'm biased, but... The, the, the point of the experiment wasn't let's find somebody who's really good at violin it's like no 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 we're going to find the world's greatest violinist playing some of the most difficult pieces in the world wow. and even uh, forgive me even a dummy would know this yeah, is good yeah. <laughs> right so things never got much better in the three quarters of an hour that Joshua Bell played seven people stopped what they were doing to hang around and take in the performance at least for a minute <laughs> the best he would get would be a minute 27 gave money, most of them on the run. So the director thought there'd be a crowd. Never was a crowd. There was only six people that stopped for a minute or less. How much money do you think he made? Do you know from the story? I would, no, I don't. I would say more than $75. uh, Way too much. $20? He did a little better than that. <laughs> okay. He made $32. Wow. And some change. Not even one ticket at the Boston at the concert he just did in Boston. Right, not even That's close to half of a ticket. Crazy. So that leaves the 1,070 people who hurried by oblivious, many only three feet away, few even turning to look. Mm-hmm. There was never a crowd, not even for a second. Mm-hmm. What do we make of this? Now, they asked some really interesting questions. And I think the, the, the musician himself was a little sad. He said it was weird to finish and have silence. Oh, I bet. Uh, the story is much longer. But there's even like, there was a hope, I think, among the journalists and the musicians in advance that beauty would transcend the moment. Yeah. So, well, some of the questions in this Facebook post Ron found was, you know, in a commonplace environment at an, at an inappropriate hour, do we perceive beauty? Hmm. If so, do we stop and appreciate it? Do we recognize talent in an unexpected context? As in, what can we take from this experiment, mm-hmm. this failed experiment, and learn about ourselves? I think it's worth talking about. Yeah. So it just, it's, you spend some time analyzing. Like, what's your takeaway when... The world's greatest violinist plays a three and a half million dollar violin in a, in a subway station and nobody cared. I'm really anxious to hear what you think. Can we take a poll? Would you have stopped? I think. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not like a huge classical music fan. So if he'd have been, you know, just a pretty good violinist, I wouldn't have really cared. But 
somebody of that magnitude, you'd think just the the sheer talent would yeah. have captured your attention. You would have stopped because he's a musician. Well, and I don't want to get carried away here because some of the bad. Here's my pastor did a series on on uh, stories in the Bible and and where you would see yourself in it. And whenever you read the Bible, most people see themselves as the hero in the story. That's right. Mm-hmm. I'm They're not like, the Pharisee. That's not me. He ain't talking to me. <laughs> right. And oh, I mean, if, if I was in the crowd when Goliath was challenging everyone, mm-hmm. I'm basically David. <laughs> right. No, but we do this. We yeah, do. We do. But we, we do. are not that person in the no. story. Yeah. I mean, I I think I if if it was a really good day and I wasn't in an exceptional hurry, yeah. I might have been one of the people that leaned against the wall for like 30 seconds. Yeah. And that's being really generous to myself because I've been busy enough before mm-hmm. where I would have gone like, nudge Sarah, hey, that guy's good. Yeah. And then just got on his train. Yes. You know? I would have, back in the day when I would have gone to D.C. because it's a homeschool trip, I would have stopped and been like, look, kids, today, I'm in D.C. <laughs> for like a trip. We got an agenda. We got to go to the museum. Len would have nudged me. I would have been like, we got to go. We got like 30 minutes. I would have missed it. And so I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to go easy on the crowd yeah. that didn't stop. But I want to figure out, I mean, it's, just, it's kind of a sad story. Yeah. Um, and so the Washington Post wanted to know, and the internet, wanted to ask questions like, in a commonplace environment at an inappropriate hour, do we perceive beauty? Yeah. And the answer was no. So what, what do we make of this experiment? Jim and Akron, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think that we're way too busy. That's for starters. The other thing is that everywhere you go, there's music, even at the gas station, Mm -hmm. in your car, Mm -hmm. and you're at work. Everywhere you go, even when we're on the boat, somebody has to have music around. I think it becomes like white noise to most of us. And you just, you know it's there, but it really doesn't mean much to you. It just, it's noise that happens around us 90% of the time. What would you have done, Jim? Uh, probably looked at him and kept walking. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's it kind of a hard reality to accept, though, right? So what does that, what does that teach you about yourself? I mean, are, are you going, well, you know, I mean, it's just part of life. I'm busy. Or do you feel bad about it or what? No, I think it's, I feel more like, okay, I'm real busy. And I think it makes you think that maybe we are too busy. Uh, yeah. I'm 70 years old and I'm still busy and I, I feel it. I feel, I feel like, okay, it's time to slow down and smell the roses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Why are we so busy? Do you know, Jim? Yeah, we've got work, we've got obligations, we've got family. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why a lot of us don't even take time with the Bible. And it's a sad commentary for all of us, I yeah. think. Yeah. Jim, great thoughts. Grateful for the call, brother, and for you getting this conversation started. God bless you, man. I like this person texting texting in is using a word that I think uh, really resonates with me. The person says, I think people didn't stop because they were on their way to work and didn't plan extra time in to stop. We live uh, our lives with no margin. That right there, I think it's really powerful. Uh, the text goes on, this is a great lesson for me personally to add more margin in my life so I can stop and enjoy a moment or two of true beauty. It it resonates with me. I'm in a season now where I want to say no a lot and like and and take stuff off my plate. I mean, I could say even more than that. But I like the idea of not only are we busy, but we're rushed. Everything's packed in. Mm-hmm. And so like the things that even you are doing to do them slowly, 
to take your time, to have time to like converse with people on your way to an appointment. We don't we don't have that time. And yeah, I appreciate that text. Denver texted saying maybe we should have he should have played Charlie Daniels the devil went down to Georgia and people would have stopped. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, yeah, and I understand the point and actually the the intentional part of the experiment was to see if he would play unfamiliar music. But oh. stuff that had stood the test of time. It's been considered some of the greatest classical music for hundreds of years, yeah. literally hundreds of years. Yeah. And so it's one of those where it's like they wanted to see if it wasn't an obvious thing, would you notice beauty? Mm-hmm. Like if it didn't smack you in the face, mm-hmm. would you notice it? I think a little parallel for me is we moved for the first time we live in a rural area, my wife and I. And so it's real dark. Yeah. Um, and being that it was an Amish home, we've taken time to get electricity going. Mm-hmm. I found when I leave, you know, I remember uh, like it was almost like I couldn't know. I couldn't keep going without stopping to look at the stars for a yeah, minute because yeah. it was so bright. Oh, yeah. But every time I would do it, it would be like, man, one of these days, what I got to do is slow down and just look up there. Yeah. Off to work. Yeah. And I don't know. Anyway, there's, there's more who want to join us. But again, what does it say about us when the world's greatest violinist grabs mm-hmm. an expensive violin, plays in a subway, and nobody noticed or cared? Like, what do we need to take away from this? What I find, I don't know how to feel about it yet, but I'm seeing a ton of people texting in that are essentially telling us what's wrong with everyone mm-hmm. in kind of a, like, I would have stopped way. Yeah. They're like, oh, it's, you know, it's a problem with people these days is people are doing their smartphones or they're yeah. doing... Yeah. And that makes me sad because it misses the point. Yeah. That a thousand, over a thousand people walked by and nobody cared. You are one of those thousand yeah, exactly. people, whether you want to be or not. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the point of the experiment. It's like, the, it reminds me of the parable of the Good Samaritan, what Jesus is trying to say. Like, yeah. you all think you're so great. You would walk right by. That's, that's right. Yeah. I've heard a, a teacher, Bible teacher, saying we do that with the prodigal son, where the point of the parable, if you look at the context, was the brother. Yeah, the older brother. And when I heard that lesson, I was like, for years, I've been the prodigal son. And I'm, I could just picture Jesus you're thinking, not. you missed the point. No, you're not. <laughs> you're the older brother. <laughs> yes. Neil in Minerva, what are your thoughts? I, I think it's about the cares of the world versus the beauty of the music or the skill of the musician. So, for example, I can remember the fall is my favorite time of year. I love the outdoors and mm-hmm. I love the trees turning colors. Yeah. I was driving home from work one day and it was a fall day and I was really upset over what had happened to work and I was just seething inside and I was murmuring to myself the whole drive home and I stopped at a traffic light and across from me where the trees were so beautiful and I looked at them and I thought oh my gosh I said I've been driving this whole way and just completely missing the beauty because I was so tied up in the other thing. Yeah, Another right. example is I'll be driving down the road and I'll see the trees and be praising God. Oh, that's a beautiful one. Oh, I like this combination. And if someone cuts me off in traffic, boom, it's gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's. A, I think that's a really good point. And it reminds me, th- thank you, Neil, of that passage in Romans 1. That's where I was going to go. Yeah. I thought, yeah, go ahead. Where Paul says, um, they know about the truth, uh, they know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God has made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, yeah. his eternal power and divine nature. Mm-hmm. So they have no excuse 
not knowing God. Mm-hmm. He's saying, like, if you just open your eyes and look around you, yeah. it's where I think artists want to shake people and go, you don't get it. Look, yeah. look around you. Yeah. God is the greatest artist of all time, and he's painted this beautiful landscape for you. Yeah. And you can see God right in it, but many of us do not because we're so busy. That actually reminds me of one thing I'm learning in the last few weeks, and it's helping me expand my understanding of prayer and worship and God's presence and how we've minimized it to the moments where you go on your knees by your bed and you're praying or like you're reading your Bible um, and not appreciating the moments where you can embrace the beauty of his creation or let's say music or art and making that a moment where you're kind where you're worshiping God and 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 doing the Romans 1 and um appreciating the beauty of his creation and just being still in that and how we miss we miss out I do appreciate a text that that did bring up social media I think that has kind of that is a tool that the enemy can use or that our flesh uh, kind of uses to get in the way of missing these moments. Yes, but I, I've seen the famous picture people love to post online of a yeah. subway station in the 50s. It's a black and white photo and everyone's got their nose in a newspaper. Mm-hmm. So don't tell me that yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's that different. It's not that different. Yeah, yeah. And now work with me on, on an angle I want to explore on this story of people just totally ignoring the world's greatest violinist. Okay. Um, this is a, it's sad, right? Like we, we look at this story and we go, this is so sad. Everybody walked by it. Yeah. Uh, but we're all saying we're all how busy we are. Yeah. And we are, but you've talked to me before about when you go to Dominican Republic, uh-huh. do you feel the same busyness when you're there? Like I'm, I'm trying to distinguish between, is this a human problem or could it be a cultural problem? I mean, to some extent, it's a human problem. Hmm. But we're all saying we resonate that the, through many stories the Lord shares in the scriptures, it's like, whoa, slow down, buddy. Yeah. yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you're going too fast. You got to yeah. notice what's going on around you. Yeah. Uh, in your experience in another culture, is everybody in such a hurry? Not the same as here in the United States. When, uh, when you go to the country, you feel it more in the cities, like in, in the capital. Sure. You do feel it more. Where I really notice, like, whoa, we're going fast, including me, because I've been here since I was three, was when we went with my whole family, my five kids, four kids at the time, and Len, and we would show up to places and people would like cook an entire dinner. We would show up unannounced and it, they were like happy to see us and just sit and talk to us. We're here. It, like here, you gotta like you gotta plan it. You gotta let people know you're coming. You may get some like may get like an appetizer, you know, because people are busy. And and I did notice that where I noticed, wow, I want to do that more. Where people don't have to tell me they're coming, and I have an open door, and I have time to put the dishes down or put my agenda down and sit in my living room. And talk to people. I don't know if that sounds corny, but no. I know I don't have that margin in my life. No, and so and I'm not trying to say Dominicans are better. I'm not trying no. to say hey, America. I love America. No. It's a wonderful place, but we're supposed to conform our lives, as Romans twelve two indicates, to God's economy, not to everything around us. Right? Yeah. We're supposed to reflect God. Yeah. And so I have to wonder what's at the root of this. And maybe it's not even an American thing. Maybe it's more of a Western thing. Western, and, and, absolutely. And, and an American idea that's gone out there where. 
dare I say the American dream has made us go too fast? I think so. Yeah. Like, if like, why are we going so fast? We have goals. We have plans. It's even that thing of early this month where I wanted to talk more and more about the worthlessness. Like, what what was that? It was worthlessness or like being unproductive. Like, can we embrace that more? Uselessness. Uselessness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and. And how that's good for our soul because the hustle culture, I've embraced that in the past. And we're always like pursuing something. And then you get to that goal. Then that goal points you to something else. There's a constant, was I productive today? And what are my goals for this week? Constantly. Are are my kids learning? Are they doing okay? Oh, my goodness. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. And yet we all have heard the scripture. We love it, right? We, we say amen when someone says it, where what, what does it profit a man if he gains the world before it fits yes. his soul? Yes. And we don't embrace a lot of the just being versus doing. I'm guilty of it. Just being. An example, and, and again, I've been learning this in the last few weeks, just sitting in my car for 10 minutes when I get home and enjoying l- I don't know, the the beauty of nature or putting on good music and just sitting and just being. And in scripture, it would be like just being still with God. Even we do that with devotions. Oh, my goodness. Like, let's say your time with God. Did I read the scriptures I said I was going to read? Or did I tell God everything that's mm-hmm. bothering me? Versus, can I just be still in front of God and just just still? He doesn't have to say anything. I didn't miss anything. I don't have to do anything. I don't anything. have to say anything. I right. don't have to do anything. And and I don't think we do that enough. We don't talk about it. We definitely don't practice it. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, I, I talk about Ecclesiastes all the time uh, because I love the pattern the, of the poetry of Solomon saying, life's horrible, it doesn't make any sense, and then he draws these conclusions, you know. Yeah. And I, I've shared them in a different context, but in, in this case, when he says something like, so I've concluded there's nothing better than to be happy and enjoy oneself as long as you can. And we should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of our labor. Like th- there's a sense in which he's, he's like, you know what you got to do? Life is hard. Slow down. Mm. He's like, enjoy your food. Yeah. Yeah. And yet a lot of Americans like, okay, so let me give you another example. One of the first things I had to learn in German when I went to Germany was check, please. Rechnung bitte. Yeah. Because in Europe, nobody asks, they're not going to bring you the check unless you ask for it. Because you're still talking. The intention would be that you're going to sit at that table as long as you want, and it's going to be a long time. I Hmm. love that. And here you have have a server go, I'm just going to set this here when you're ready. Yeah, no rush. No rush, but really. uh, Wow. I'd like you to go. Yeah. Yeah. I make my living off of this table. So again, (laughs) not to say, I love America. I don't want to be anywhere else. But how much have we allowed the individualism, the drive for su- worldly success, the getting to the next thing to leak yeah. into our spiritual thinking yeah. and force us to get in the rat race, yeah. force us to get into the next thing the, where we can't slow down and notice the world's greatest violinist playing beautiful music. Yeah. The Lord gave him the talent to play. Mm-hmm. Hey, hold up. Where are you going? You know you liked your time with us. You want more. So go ahead. Look down. Hit that button right there and subscribe, and you'll get updated episodes, and then you can hang some more. And guess what? You can help us out. How? A five-star rating. Hello. You can also hang with us live weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Download the Moody Radio mobile app, and you're able to connect with us. Or just go to brianandjanelle.org. 
And listen, we didn't put all this together all by ourselves. There's some great people behind this production. We want to thank Ron Eastwood, Kelly Ryder, Paul Carter, Mike Reynolds, Alan Perry, and our awesome and fearless leader, Josue Villa. And finally, this podcast is a production of Moody Radio in Cleveland, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. 